Welcome to Wednesday Night Live. It's the class that puts some peak into your week. Tonight we'll be studying from the book of Colossians. And we're going to be studying from chapter 1, verse 24, through chapter 2, verse 15. This is the class where we learn from each other. So we ask you to, to make comments, to ask questions, to learn from each other. And I learn from you as you can learn from me, and that's the way it, it's best. We can bring all the knowledge of the class together. So please make your questions, make your comments, and we'll be good. Would you pray with me, please? Father, thank you for this time together, and we ask that you... Give us an understanding of what your word says. Help us to be the kind of people you want us to be. I ask that you help me get out of the way that the class can see you. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Reading from chapter 1. Now rejoice in what was suffered for you. And I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions. For the sake of his body, which is the church, I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness. The mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the saints. To them God has chosen to make known the Gentiles, the glorious riches of his mercy, which is Christ in you. The hope of glory, we proclaim him admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we can present everyone perfect in Christ. Okay. Now I rejoice in what was suffered for you and I fill up my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. What's still lacking in Christ's affliction? afflictions. I thought they were all there and yet Paul says there's still some things that he has to do. Chuck. Continue with sacrifice because we continue to sin. He continues to sacrifice that we, that's a good answer. I hadn't thought of that. Very good. What do you ex exactly mean by that? Christ continues to be the sacrifice, the high priest that gives the sacrifice, which is himself. That sacrifice is given to alleviate us of our sins. It's continuous. So he continues to sacrifice, sacrifice on the cross, but he continues to sacrifice because we continue to sin. What about Hebrews where it says he sacrificed once for all? He sacrificed once for all as far as giving himself up on the cross mm -hmm. and then going to the sacrifice of going into, into, into Hades. Mm -hmm. And then 
then being replaced by the Spirit. Mm. But still, as a high priest, what does a high priest do? A high priest sacrifices. Mm. And so his blood is the one that keeps, continues to wash us clean because we continue to sin. Mm. That's the only way he could get us clean for the Father. Mm. That's my reasoning. Yeah, I appreciate you explaining that. That makes sense as far as Christ's work is complete, but what is still lacking is our work is not yet complete. Oh, very good. You think it might have anything to do with John chapter 15 where Christ said, uh, if the world hates you, it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it will love you. If you don't, but you don't belong to the world. I have chosen you out of the world and the world hates you. Remember, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they'll persecute you also. If they obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours also. Yes? No? Uh, just because of his wanting to share the gospel, Jesus suffered even before he died because of his desire to share the good news that God had sent him as the Messiah. Okay, good. So far, so good, Chuck. Well, I think what you were drawn upon in John is, you know, they, they hated him to the point where they killed him. Okay, he allowed himself to be killed. Paul wants to continue to preach, so he continues to put himself in jeopardy and suffers for it. Sometimes he's stoned. Uh, other, other problems that he runs into, uh, shipwrecked, uh, you know, put in prison, you know, kind of go on in the list, is, okay, the way he suffered when he was here, I'm suffering here as well. And I think he's leading into, you're probably going to suffer too. Very good. Who was Christ sent to? Jews. He came to the Jews. He came to the Israelite nation. Yeah, who was Paul sent to? Gentiles. Oh. Did the Jews know the Gentiles were going to come in after the cross of Christ? Not originally. When did they know? Cornelius. House of Cornelius. And when Paul hit the missionary trail, because Christ selected him as the apostle for the Gentiles. And that could be part of it. That forever, the Jews have been saying, we're God's people, nobody else is. And all of a sudden, Paul shows up and he says, yeah, the Gentiles in on this too. Okay, good stuff. I only believe that, though, because they did not understand the promise to Abraham, which said the whole world would be blessed through Abraham. They just chose, often as they did, not to listen to the whole story. Hey, thank you, Susan. Some of the others give us some help. 
Dear friends, don't be surprised at the painful trial you're suffering as though something strange was happening to you, but rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you're insulted because of the name of Christ, you're blessed. For the spirit of glory, of, of glory and of God rests in you. If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or a thief or any other kind of criminal or even as a meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear his name. Or Philippians chapter 3, this is another letter of Paul. I want you to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of suffering of sharing in his suffering, becoming like him in death, so somehow to obtain the resurrection from the dead. So he's been sitting there and saying, listen, there are some things that Christians have got to undergo yet. If the church is going to be built up, you've got to face a world that doesn't like our Christ. They don't like Christ at all because if Christ hadn't come, they wouldn't be convicted of their sins. That's out of John chapter 15 too. Sue. And I think his emphasis on our attitude about suffering, it's hard to, it's hard to rejoice. It's hard to be thankful that you are suffering and things aren't going well, even if you're doing it for the benefit of the gospel or in the benefit of others coming to know Christ. It's still hard to, to think about, oh, I'm so glad I can do this. But if you have that attitude, it makes it a whole lot easier to go through it. If Paul probably wrote Colossians from a Roman prison. So if he did, that would, that would be tough. Here's the other part of it that I think gives us a hint. The mystery that has been hidden for the ages and generations now it will disclose to the saints. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of his mercy the glorious riches of this mystery, which in Christ, in you, the hope of his glory. So he's saying, Gentiles never dreamed of having Christ in them. They never thought about that. But now, now they think about that. He discusses in Ephesians 3, so we're going to go through this quickly, but it's good. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ, Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, surely you've heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I've already written briefly. In reading this, then, you'll be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to men in other generations as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy 
apostles and prophets. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members of one body, and sharers together in the promise of Christ. So this is a big deal. Everybody thought the Gentiles were out of luck. And now that Christ has come, he finds out he's in, been planning to incorporate the Gentiles all along. If you read Paul's letters, you're probably going to see this at least hinted at somewhere. He was that into it. Okay, 29 to end this chapter and start the next one. To this end, I labor, struggling with all, the, all his energy, which, is so powerf which so powerfully works in me. I, know, I want you to know how much I am struggling for you and for those at Laodicea, and for all who have not met me personally. Paul talks about struggling for the recipients of the letter. He had never met them. What do you think he could have meant? I struggle for you even though I've never met you. And what form would struggles take place? Bringing for them and writing this letter to them. And persevering so persevering his own life so he has the ability to do both of those. Very good. Persevering his own life so he can write to these people. Very good. Chuck. I think also kind of building on that, Paul has empathy for those people in Laodicea in those areas that are being persecuted. What he what he's struggling is, is that I wish I could I could be down there with them. I wish I could strengthen them the way I'm strengthening you now. Um, and and so that's through through the prayer he has. I'm sure he wants to he wants them to be successful. He wants God to flourish there. But I can see since he's not sympathetic, he's empathetic because he's he's gone through the persecution. He knows what they're going through, and he knows how hard it is. And that's his struggle is he, he struggles with them. He, he understands their struggle. Well, I think that's extremely good. Thank you. My purpose is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. What was it that brought them together? Let's, let's pick somebody out there and make him a Gentile. Uh, I'd make... Same level playing field at the foot of the cross through Jesus. Level playing field for by the way the cross through Jesus Christ alone. Only oh. by Jesus is anyone saved, Jew or Gentile. Yeah, very good. Jew and Gentile are saved by the same Christ. Very good.
go back, it was a struggle for Paul to say, okay, the Gentiles and the Jews are on the same playing field. They, and they are part of the same body. And even though I have Jewish family, Jewish lineage, and you might not like me, that's, that's the way it is, you know? And so he was struggling to bring them in so that they all could be one. Not, not two separate churches, but one church. What separated them? As I look at my wife and she just smiles back at me. <laughs> Who did I hear? Unbelief. Belief? Unbelief. Unbelief. Okay, but he's now he's got the Gentiles in. Brent, will you be our Jewish folk? And I'll make Chuck our Gentile? Or you can switch, it doesn't matter if you switch. It's okay. What are you required to do that he's not required to do? You're the Jew, he's the Gentile. Diet. Diet? Diet is controlled. It sure is. There's certain holidays that you eat certain foods. It's like ham at, at Easter. If you don't have ham, they're not sure that you're faithful. Sue. Before Christ? Yeah. Okay. And even after Christ, they still had some of these things. Yeah, but they, it wasn't because they had to. They elected to. They elected to. They, they were part of the Jewish faith. Yeah. But it was not part of the Christian faith, which is the idea behind the Council of Jerusalem after they came down from... Okay, very good. I hadn't thought of that, but that's very good. Yes? I have a question um, regarding verse 27 in the previous chapter. Uh-huh. Since we kind of flew over that. I'm just curious. covenant and old covenant and without the holy spirit um god can't even begin to perfect us which is what his intention is i agree with you it's you get the when you repent and baptize the next thing that's presented is and you receive the gift of the holy spirit in the original language that word gift means the holy spirit is the gift so once you became a christian he right away gave you the way to to keep it. You've got certain festivals you got to be at, Chuck.
it's where how you got your food, and it's like saying, thanking God for your food. If you weren't there, you probably weren't very good. What else? He's got a law that he's got to keep. The, the Jewish person had a law he had to keep. The Gentiles before Christ didn't have a law. The Jewish people had the Ten Commandment law and all the inferences through Leviticus. So you had some people that were very different. How do you bring them together? Jesus. Chuck. John spent... It was meant to say, this proves you can't earn your salvation. But they took it the other way. So how do you connect the two together? And how does it apply today? Expressing yourself through love. Expressing yourself through love. Expressing through love.
What about your life? How can you make connections with your life and your brothers and sisters? Sue and I have been married a long time. Uh, do you know we have difference of opinion on things? Isn't that amazing? After you've been married as long as we've been married? I, I take it in stride. I tell her she can be wrong if she wants to be. I didn't mean that. <laughs> Trying to keep my marriage together now. <laughs> Christians are going to have differences. Even though they love each other, they're going to have differences. And that's the point of the marriage for so many years. We still have differences. So your life and the way that you approach other people becomes very important. Okay. I do it to encourage them that their hearts will be joined together in love, that they'll be wonderfully blessed with complete understanding and they will truly know Christ. Not only is he the key to God's mystery, but all wisdom and knowledge are hidden away in him. Why should we not look to no other than Christ for spiritual truth? Way, the truth, no life, no one comes to the Father but through him. Excellent. Excellent, my friend. Chuck. It's a technical term. It's a lawyer term. Now, if you're back in Bible times, what they don't do that we do today, they don't do investigations. They don't have evidence collected. They don't look into things very deeply because life isn't very precious there. So, if you have a lawyer, and I have a lawyer, and your lawyer's better than my lawyer, I probably lose. And vice versa. If my lawyer beats your lawyer, then you probably lose. So, it's, it's that type thing that he said, don't let them deceive you with something that just sounds good. I tell you this, that no one will deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. How are some people deceived with arguments that sound reasonable? Accepting the false gospel of acting Jesus into their heart for salvation. Okay, they send up a false gospel about Jesus. Very good. Thank you. Something that somebody says...
If you make an emotional argument, you can get a lot of people to agree with you. Though I am absent from you in the body, I am present with you in spirit and delight to see how orderly you are and how firm in your faith in Christ is. This is a military term. And I'm going to try to use my pointer, so I, I haven't done that well in the past. But this is the way the Roman army was set up. The first group were the group of soldiers who brought in the shields. They were about three to four columns deep. They're first because the first defense you have of defending a fort are bows and arrows. You shoot that up into the air and they sit under their shields and let the, the arrows hit their shields. And if they're made real well, they don't catch fire. If they're not made real well, well, it's another story. Guess what rank they have in the Roman army? rocks at them. Sometimes they just try to surround them and starve them out. But these are the experts. And once they get them vulnerable, the next group takes over. Higher rank. They're the ones who actually bridge the walls and get into the fort. They're your special forces if you want to use the army type thing. Now, Rome had this outlined really well. And after they had taken the fort, then the generals and all the top brass comes down. But until they take taken the fort, the generals aren't there. So he talks about that, and then he says how orderly and firm in your faith. Why do you think this is encouraging to them? encourages them in their mind that that gives you strength that's like somebody who's 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 there next to you saying yeah we can do this we can continue we can we can uh, we can withstand the onslaught okay very good for instance the guys who had the shields they would lock four of them together and the arrows couldn't get through if 
one of those guys let his shield down, the arrows got through. That's a good point. Thank you, Chuck. How do you encourage other people? By li living a life? Godly life ourselves. Ourselves. Very good. Living a godly life ourselves. Thank you. The areas that Paul talks about in Galatians is, is somebody's going through a challenging time and it won't overcome you. Get beside them and help them. It's, it's, it's somewhat of a metaphor, but what Paul's talked about here is where he has empathy. We, we've gone through certain trials in our lives and if somebody's going through that same trial, you can have empathy to them and you can help them to say, I've been where you were before, and I could try and help you get through. It gets better. Yeah. Yeah. See? Well, and, and as I read that verse, toward it's, I am present with you in spirit and delights to see how orderly you are and how firm your faith in Christ is. It's, it's like praising them that they are doing this, that they are standing firm. It's kind of, when I used to work with children, they, the thing that we were taught was to catch them being good. <laughs> They're doing something right. Praise them. That lifts them up. Everybody likes to say, someone say, I, you did a good job. I, you, I like the way you did that, uh, whatever. But to come from Paul, Paul saying that you're doing your faith in Christ is firm and it it makes me happy. Very good. Excellent. Yes. She, she's exactly right. You know, Paul has clearly gotten some sort of report that the church in Colossae um, are doing great things despite persecution, despite, you know, false doctrines and human philosophy. And, um, and he's trying to verbally encourage them with an attaboy, which who, who doesn't like an attaboy? You know, it's equally encouraging in chapter one, verse nine, where he says, for this reason, since the day we heard of you, we have not stopped praying for you, which is another way of encouraging people is praying for them behind their back and even telling them. Yeah, very good, very good. We're not too positive in our world. Have you noticed? We're quick to find fault and for finding good, we don't look real hard. So finding somebody doing right, that's important. Y'all did good. Okay. Six through eight. So then just as you receive Christ, Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him, rooted and build up, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy which depends on human tradition and the basic principles rather than on Christ. This one I've sort of just broke down. He starts off talking about how they started. And they started good. And then he says, you became rooted in the faith. I don't know how many people grow things. 
But you don't have much of a plan if it doesn't have a good root system. Then he says, don't stop now. Don't go back to the empty philosophies that you had before. Stay on course. Keep on growing. So then, just as you receive Christ as Lord, continue to live in him, rooted and built up, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, overflowing with thankfulness. You can see the strong root system over in the tree. Tree looks good up, but there's a lot more going on, going on under the ground. Yes? A good root system is good soil, which we learn about and with some of the parables that were discussed in the Gospels. And if you don't have good soil, you're not going to grow good roots. That's a good point. I hadn't thought of it. That's an excellent point. How can you, you continue to be rooted and build up in him? Good soil. <laughs> he did that. He's ahead of me. I got it. Saying his truth. Very good. Spiritual eyes and minds fixed on Christ in glory. Keeping our spiritual minds fixed on Christ in glory. Very good. Thank you. Putting on the whole armor of God. Out of the book of Ephesians. Joe? No. Okay. Chuck? He is about to contrast this again with putting your faith in someone else's truth as opposed to Christ's truth. So it, it, Paul does that. He, he's built his premise for his argument to say you need to stay rooted in Christ and in his truth. And now he's going to contrast and say, and don't put it in somebody else's truth. Yeah. I'm going to try to catch up to you before the night's over. You're just ahead of me. See to it that no one takes you captive through a hollow and deceptive philosophy which depends on human tradition and the basic principles of this world rather than on Christ. What's it mean to be taken captive? Chuck. Captive through sin. Kept it through no longer having faith in God. When Christ talked to the Jews when he was here, he says, he says I'm going to free you from captivity. And they kind of went nuts and they said, wait a minute, we haven't been in captivity since Egypt or Babylon. What are you talking about? He says, you're in captivity because of your sins. Okay, right now. TV kind of tried to make you captive of the worldly things. So... It just yeah. takes you captive. It takes your mind away from what you're really supposed to be thinking. Worldly things take your mind captive. Very good. How do you protect yourself then? Christ Jesus. One more time. Making take all the thoughts captive and making obedient unto Christ Jesus. Okay, very taking every thought captive. And this, uh, this answer probably applies to the previous question, too, about staying rooted in Christ, which is simply uh, practicing the habits that Christ had. 
which was prayer, singing praises, seeking and saving the lost, assembling with the saints, stuff of that nature. Oh, very good. Very good. Thank you. 9 through 12. For in Christ all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. And you've been given fullness in Christ, who is the head over every power and authority. In him you were also circumcised in the putting off of the sinful nature, not with the circumcision done by the hands of men, but with the circumcision done by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism and raised through faith in the power of God, who raised him from the dead. This is the Living New Testament uh, update. For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. So you are complete through your union with Christ, who is the head over every ruler and authority. When you came to know Christ, you were circumcised, not by a physical procedure. Christ performed a spiritual circumcision, the cutting away of your sinful nature. For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized and you were raised with him to a new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised him from the dead. Okay. What would that lead you to believe? The emphasis on circumcision. Not physical. Okay. Spiritual, not physical. that at the very end of Romans chapter 2 verses 28 and 29 Paul writes a man is not a Jew if he is one outwardly nor is circumcision merely outward and physical no a man is a Jew if he is one inwardly and circumcision is of the heart by the spirit not by the written code okay very good quickly we're running out of time so I'm going to do this very quickly when you were dead in your sins, in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the written code with its regulations that was against us and stood opposed to us. He took it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. What's the written code? The law. And now he is saying the law no longer applies because the cross applies. We'll pick up there next week. Y'all have been super great. I'm glad that y'all came. This Sunday, Matt Robinson will be here. And I'm anxious to hear what he said. He's been away at camp with a whole camp full of little ones, so it should be interesting. I can't wait to hear some of the camp stories. So thank you for coming. Thank you who are online. We're glad that you have tuned in and tuned with us, in with us next week, and we'll pick up where we've left off. Thank you all. Good night. Sing the